It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the uh, Hadit.com podcast. And uh, on this 28th day of May, 2014, we're here today with the co-host, uh, Jay Basser, and uh, Berta Simmons is going to be our guest speaker today. Uh, uh, Stretch, uh, Mike Sasser, he's he's away at the, on a visit to the VA. Uh, let's wish him good luck there. He'll certainly need it. But uh, at any rate, uh, Berta, how are you doing today? Uh, good, Gerald. Good. I, you know, I live in the hills of New York, and our weather finally uh, has become beautiful, which only means I have to do weed blacking and gardening, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, nice being outside uh, like that. It gives me a big break from uh, the other world I deal with, the VA, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we... We all need a break from it. Uh, Gerald, uh, this morning I've had it. Uh, are we on the air? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of our esteemed members, uh, we all know who he is, Notorious Kelly, uh, yes. posted a topic yes. that says, don't assume others will tell your story. And, you know, uh, I'm hoping that we're going to get into, um, you know, DIC at, uh, in regards to the Phoenix scandal, which is going to get worse anyhow. Uh, but I wanted to bring up uh, what what he said. The, the post is there this morning, uh, and he's right. He's right on the dot. I hope everybody reads what he said. Don't assume others will tell your story. Um, and, for example, Johnson at Fox News, he's been telling veterans he wants their stories. He got thousands of emails and, and letters from veterans about lousy care that they got from uh, VAs all across the country. Uh, what he did, and I hope he copied all of that, uh, he boxed it all up and then he shipped it all down to Washington. They want a response. I don't know when they're going to get a response uh, on that stuff. Uh, but another point I'm making, the American Legion and many other entities want to hear stories from veterans. Uh, I, I just got an email from a reporter that wants to hear more of my story. I forget. I even forget where the reporter's from. Uh, this is my point. Um, I'm doing my part as a surviving spouse of a veteran who's a VA killed with improper medical care. That's documented. It's been a secret. Uh, we all have to tell our own story. Uh, and we cannot, as Kelly said, don't assume others will tell it. And I'm going to bring up something. You might think I'm a little wacky, but uh, and uh, I don't know if the VA listens in on us or not. But I, I don't care. I want to uh, be, um, you know, say say what's on my mind. I suggest that anybody who takes the time to email any news outlet uh, or any entity at all uh, about inadequate medical care, I also suggest that if they ever received a denial and then a subsequent award solely due to the fact that they got an IMO or an IME that overcame 
some CNP irrational medical BS, that they should mention that in the story too, that they had to go out of the system to get a proper CNP examination. And my point is that an inadequate CNP exam that can be overcome by a, a real doctor's valid medical rationale indicates to me that some of these CNP examiners uh, are incompetent as doctors, and they can walk out of a CNP exam and maybe get ER duty at some VA or go into where their office as a primary care physician, and uh, they can uh, produce that same incompetence to the veteran that they're, any veteran they're treating that day. They are supposed to go through all of our medical records, all of them. Right, John? Up down yes, there. they are. Yeah, yes, all. they are. The entire medical profile. But they don't. An IMO doctor will. If a CMP doctor doesn't read an entire medical history, that tells me that they could easily not only make a mistake on the CMP exam, you know, and do it all ass backwards, but that tells me since they're not hired specifically to be CMP doctors, that the rest of their day or week is spent with direct care to VA patients mm -hmm. whose medical history they should at least have a little bit uh, of knowledge about. So uh, that, that, that's the point that, you know, I, it, it just bothered me for years uh, that they have so much power in one sense, but that they are controlled by the VA. Uh, I called up a CMP doctor once, and I was furious, and I asked him how he could have been so incompetent to give the VA his opinion based on all of the medical evidence he had. Well, he was curious with me when I said that. And then he found out, and I found out, they forgot to give him the most probative evidence I had, an autopsy. I say forget. It was deliberate. Uh, the VA, will they withhold evidence from CMP doctors who want to do the right thing? Sure they well, will. Yes, they will. Will they withhold um, evidence um, from the general counsel doctors if you file an FTCA case against them? You bet they will. You bet they will. I can witness this. I think the huh? problem, the problem in that issue... You know, the CMP doctors, you know, they have a job to do, and they're only, by regulations, they're only allowed to actually research the veterans, what he has filed for in his claim, and, you know, they can look at the history of that issue, unless it's, uh, you know, say, for example, if it's heart lung, you know, they got to go back further and look at other things, but, you know, they're regulated to look only for the, what they've claimed and what they're in there for for the CMP, but, on the other hand, it's the regional office's responsibility to send the information to that doctor. And a lot of times they yeah. do withhold information or uh, the, the regional office wannabe doctors come up with a medical diagnosis in their head and they write some kind of leading statement to the CMP doctor to get him to do that. See, So it's all, I think this, the regional office actually initiates all this bad activity for a CMP exam. Yeah. They, they control them, and I, 
the day I called up that doctor was long ago. I was mad as hell. But I learned more from him that day about some inner workings of the VA than I ever thought I'd know. And I, uh, I'm glad I got that information. He uh, was so upset, John, that he told me, and he was a cardiologist. That's what he was hired to be, a cardiologist. He hated CMP exams because it was, I forget how he put it, but it was already predetermined what he was supposed to say in his opinion. Yeah. You know, that's, and, and, you know, and we all know that. Yeah, we all know that, but there's nothing so far that's ever been done about it. And, well, um, that, wouldn't that make the CMP exams just null? I mean, they're already predetermined, and uh, what's the purpose of them? Yeah, right. What's the purpose, Gerald? And it doesn't happen in every case. But to me, it only takes one instance uh, of it to happen to be totally unfair to every veteran. Um, and, uh, well, I, I don't know if, if it will even come to head through this uh, whole rigmarole with uh, Phoenix. I also suggest that if anybody is willing to take the time, I, I already have a response from the general counsel. I've been griping like hell. I'm doing my part. Uh, the, oh, the response I got from Doug Bradshaw, I hope general counsel's listening in, Mr. Bradshaw. I accept your BS letter uh, because even VA BS letters are evidence. I love it. I love it. It just proves my point uh, to the uh, committee. I also suggest and I'll bump up these addresses, that if anyone out there feels that they did not get a timely diagnosis or proper care or the wrong meds or whatever it is or a faulty CMP, uh, they can raise their concerns to anybody they want, but I think that they should send a copy of those concerns directly to Chairman Jeff Miller, House Veterans Affairs Committee, with a copy of that letter to the Secretary. And, um, by the way, the committee's having a hearing tonight I think on how come nobody showed up yet uh, for that uh, Sedina hearing. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the, uh, you know, uh, at the one that's yeah, the, the, uh, yeah. the Health Veterans Affairs Committee. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to get back to a few other uh, things that have been on the Haddit uh, website, we cannot let this die. I've been around VA since 1981. 81, John and Gerald. I was so stupid in those days. <laughs> you know, you learn things quick. I have been through multiple VA scandals over the years. Uh, Paul Sullivan did a, an excellent rendition of most of them, the recent ones, on one of uh, your radio shows uh, about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We cannot let this get under the rug. We cannot allow it to die. It is obvious to me that the House Veterans Affairs Committee is taking this very seriously and working overtime on it. And ultimately, they are the ones, as well as news media, etc., they are the ones that have to know if anyone out there has received negligent care by the VA, which to me would include the C&P exam, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. You know, but, uh, and, uh, of course, this, you know, it's so funny that, like, it's it's like the claims backlog is under the rug for this 
nipple scandal, which is more important than the claims backlog because we're talking about veterans' lives. But the claims backlog, it's the biggest one I've ever seen. And the claims backlog, John, ultimately is part of this. I mean, I'm wondering how many... Yeah, I'm wondering how many of these veterans that the VA might have killed. See, I don't doubt that they probably did, but uh, that's another point I want to make. Um, uh, And uh, I'm doing too much talking, Gerald. If you want to chime in, you and John. (laughs) You keep going, buddy. Just keep it up. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I was was thinking the other day, a crisis. (laughs) <laughs> a crisis and a scandal like like Phoenix. I call it Phoenix, but of course there are multiple uh, Xanax uh, medical centers involved in this already. It's not just Phoenix. But, you know, uh, and I'm a civilian. I, I always want to make that clear if anybody listens in. I'm not a veteran. I'm a civilian. But I did uh, graduate from a military university. This crisis is like a major battle in this respect. Uh, the first wave of reports are often in conflict happens in battle all the time. Uh, The Weekly Standard, oh, I guess it was about two weeks ago, uh, stated that an internal review at the VA has found nearly two dozen veterans passed away in numerous states while waiting for treatment. The review found deaths linked to waiting times occurring in states such as Virginia, Georgia, Florida, Iowa, Arizona, and in Prescott, but the the internal review did not include Phoenix. This was based, as I understood it when I checked into the story, uh, on a VA internal review, possibly done by Alma, the Office of Legal Medical VA with Ain't Worth a Diddly Squat, or by a VA peer review. I don't know. I don't know where that information came from. But uh, my point is that uh, there is a secret list, another secret list, VA has, I know about it because my name's on it. It is about their true malpractice statistics, the real figures. Um, Well, that's enough of that there. On Wednesday, uh, the president said so far, the inspector general assigned to the VA has not made any connection between death and waiting times (laughs) and that the president is waiting for the conclusion of other investigations. Well, I've got to tell you something. It doesn't matter who in hell what the IG finds to make a connection or, or ALMA or peer reviews. I've been there. I've done it. I am an FTCA or I am an 1151 recipient. Uh, like most, almost all types of VA claims, it's going to be medical evidence that reveals the connection between VA health care and wrongful death. It's not going to be dependent on the IG report. They're not doctors. Those inspectors don't uh, don't have medical backgrounds. What are they going to do? Get IMOs? In that case, maybe I'll re- believe their report if they go to YMO doctors with a valid conclusion. <laughs> you see my point, John? It, it, it's all smoke and mirrors, you know. And they're not fooling me one bit. Um, and I'm not afraid to uh, speak out, uh, and let people know that uh, there's a lot more to this. Than I wonder if Jekyll's going to get involved. Uh, 
I invited Jaco to my husband's funeral, full military funeral. They mm-hmm. were investigating the VA, the very same VA he was buried at that day. And, of course, they mm-hmm. did show up. And, of course, mm-hmm. when they gave me some bull, bull crap answer, this, that, and the other. But then again, Jaco is limited, too. They're not no. doctors. No, but they you can shut the, they, they, they can put a padlock on the front door of that VA, too. Yeah, that's but... The only, uh, that's the only organization that can do that. Because uh, it's an outside well, agency. They, they, they have not never done that as far as I know, uh, John. But, uh, yeah, if they've got the authority, uh, they could they could do that. Mm-hmm. I've seen them um, close down specimens uh, of VA. Yeah, I, I'm kind of... Um, Optim, uh, pessimistic about uh, every uh, a lot of the stuff. Jaco, this and that. I've dealt with them before. <laughs> I'm looking at this letter from the Doug Bradshaw down there, General Counsel, Washington D.C. You know, BS all up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but uh, but I'm used to it, and I'm getting to the point that I like it because uh, I, I have allowed the VA to put their foot into their mouth many times and turn it against them. <laughs> but in any event, uh, my concerns, I'm not even angry over this Phoenix story anymore. I was at first. I, I, I'm grief-stricken for their survivors. Well, there's a lot why of you men, Yeah, why, oh, and, and why you men and women fought for you know, my daughter's a veteran, too. I mean, just think of the VA can systematically develop a system whereby they can deliberately, uh, you know, delay diagnosis and care. I can hardly wrap my head around that. Uh, you know what I mean? Because it's systematic. It's not an isolated. It's not. These are not isolated events. They are accumulative events. Um, no, the it's survivors. A, it's a form of, of euthanization, and and uh, it it seems like they were using it quite well. Uh, uh, across the country, there's no telling how many veterans have passed on due to uh, uh, lack of proper medical care, uh, misdiagnosis. Right. To wrong, wrong prescriptions, uh, waiting, right. waiting, uh, uh, and here they have a cancer developing and progressing, and they're out here waiting, uh, yeah, not knowing the, the truth of it, and, and once it's too late, they they uh, they say, "Oh, we're so sorry. If you'd just been in a month sooner, maybe we had a chance." Uh, and and for every veteran that passes on, they uh, usually has real labor uh, spouse behind. And yeah, and that brings me back to this 160 uh, uh, veteran bodies that that they have found uh, out there in California somewhere. I'm not familiar with this news, Gerald. Uh, can you, uh, I just heard about it last night on the news, and uh, it, it's something new that's opened up. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, Los I'm, Angeles. 
Yeah, that was in Los Angeles. So I'm anxious to get the full of that story, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but Jerk, you, you can get we, that information on Twitter. Oh, you can. Yeah, so I got a uh, matter of fact, I've run across a few stories there myself, and that's how I get a lot of quick information because uh, uh, I follow uh, this lady in the Washington Post named Jessica Chasmar. Yeah. And uh, they're pretty quick at getting information like that out. Oh, Uh, another thing, John, uh, one thing I do is I have a Google alert for veterans' death. Mm -hmm. And, boy, I I can't believe some of the stuff I've been getting lately. And uh, I keep going over a 1,000 in email, and I'm afraid, yeah, I I don't have time to read this stuff. But some of it's redundant information. But, yeah, I'll check that out on Twitter and try and figure out. uh, That is news to me. You can uh, uh, you can follow some of the agencies. I mean, you could like Fox News. I don't like following CNN oh, yeah. because they, you know because I'm not a fan of CNN. But you can follow the Washington Post and things like that. There are certain people in there that you know you'll get used to following that yeah. you know that will give you the true story and the scoop, and not just some sugar coated, processed baloney report. Yeah, boy, that's uh, that's very alarming. Well, yes, it uh, is, and and uh, you have to stop and think. For every one of these veterans that have passed on, there's a spouse uh, as a rule somewhere, and uh, yeah, that goes I to tell you. Any any spouse whose veteran has passed on due to this should automatically be awarded DIC. Uh, should be. Uh, well, it should. Uh, uh, that was uh, something I wanted to talk about today. Um, the surviving spouses of these veterans uh, regarding Phoenix and the other hospitals, or their next of kin in some cases, can certainly file charges against the VA. They can file an FTCA wrongful death claim, mm-hmm. and they can file an 1151 claim. Uh uh, but uh, I went through this, and the VA will go as low as they can go on wrongful death claims mm-hmm. uh, to get out of it. Now, this might be uh, a piece of cake, though. It might be so obvious that they're not going to even attempt to try and get out of uh, some, if not all, of these claims. It better be uh, done quickly. All these... Huh? needs to be done rapidly and quickly because of right now why it's hot in the system and the issue is in the air and everybody knows about it. They're going to feel pressure well, to do something. And, but, you know, over six months from now, they're going to sweep it under the rug. Well, it could go rapidly and quickly. Uh, I filed, uh, my husband had an 1151 when he died. In those days, I could not substitute myself. So a few, about three months after he died, I had gotten his medical records. And I said, oh, yeah, he was right. They were going to kill him. I didn't think they were going to kill him. (laughs) Uh, uh, So to make a long story short, uh, I immediately filed my FTCA case and an 1151 uh, case where I had to reopen his 1151 in those days. These days you can do yourself. But the first thing I had to do was get all of his medical records I couldn't tip off the VA why I needed them. 
there was scuttlebutt at the local VA. Uh-oh, the VA just killed another rat. Uh, I had to be very careful. I also, I think I had to, uh, John, I think I had to supply probate information from the surrogate's office as the surviving spouse because my identity to VA had changed. I was no longer the wife of Rod Simmons. I was his surviving spouse. So I think that that is a critical point that some of these survivors are going to have to look into. Under probate laws, uh, if they're asked to prove their identity as surviving spouse, like I did, but, you know, even though the VA knew I was his wife, they might have to do that and get all of the medical records they can get. And then, if they're filing FGCA, I do not advise them to do what I did. I didn't have a lawyer. I have a medical uh, legal background. I sued them myself. They have the right, and I'm always willing to, you, you do have the right to sue the VA yourself. They FGCA them. I don't advise it in this case. I should get a lawyer. But the first thing they need to do is get an IMO. They need a posthumous, independent medical opinion. And probably Craig Bash could handle all of this. (laughs) You know, I mean, uh, he probably could. Uh, They need an IMO from a real non-VA doctor based solely on the established and documented medical evidence autopsy results if, if an autopsy was done and uh, if that medical opinion supports negligence and malpractice they're not going to have any problem at all finding a lawyer to help them and hopefully they will come to had it where we have the whole nine yards on all of it um, and I just want to repeat myself one more time it's not going to depend on any VA Inspector General report at all or anything President Obama thinks he's going to get. These claims and charges will depend solely on medical evidence that reveals the connection between the health care or lack of it and death. And there's a few things on those lines that the talking heads on TV will be talking about as these claims are filed. Uh, there's a whole bunch of acronyms to FTCA. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and there's also a, a defense the general counsel tried to pull over on me, telling me, oh, well, maybe he would have died anyhow. Anyhow, my ass, they killed him. He was 47 years old. I fear that they are going to pull the same mantra on some of the survivors in the Phoenix scandal. Because I was getting the impression, uh, Gerald and John, that a lot of these veterans were elderly. They were elderly. But age doesn't factor in to VA medical care. I've never seen it in N21MR or any of the uh, doctor's responsibilities. Oh, if the patient's over a certain age, you don't have to treat them properly. It's age of a veteran does not figure in to the Hippocratic. Those are right. It's in the Title 38 CFR, age and related right. disability. Yeah, they can't do that. Yeah. They can't discriminate because of age. Yeah. And they that better not start pulling some. I mean, and we're not living in the world of soil and green. You know what I mean? I don't know if soil and green rings the bell with anybody. 
but age does not factor, huh? Soylent Green, so. the movie, where yeah. people at a certain age had to die, and then their bodies were um, manufactured into cookies. Oh, uh, <laughs> to, to sustain yeah, the rest of the... To sustain the rest of the... <laughs> they would, people would die, and then their bodies would be put in on a conveyor belt and manufactured into cookies to feed. See, it, the, it, this is you know a science fiction movie where our um, world had become unsustainable to life because there was not enough food and there was not enough water. So they simply decided people at a certain age would have to die. They would kill them in a very nice way, turn their bodies into cookies or wafers or something. And this would be a food source for all the other people that had not reached the age they got to die at yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Think about it. But um, but then again, um, uh, getting back to DRC, uh, the best patient uh, advocate a veteran has is their spouse. Their spouse needs to know their medical condition and they should always have a current copy of their medical records available. And I even had a PDR. Uh, and when my husband would get his meds in the mail, we would open them up and check them against the pictures of what they should be as well as everything else in the PDR. I mean, uh, because he was uh, a recipient of a medical error anyhow regarding the pharmacy, which they tried to push under the rug. Um now, I have a lie here. It's on the rigmarole on how you uh, file these claims. But you know what, Gerald? It, a lot of this stuff is uh, all it had it. Uh, I think my biggest concern for the survivors is that they don't know what to do. That if, in fact, some of these veterans were elderly, there's a pretty good chance that their spouses are elderly and unable, like John, we were talking right before the show, unable to use the Internet. Uh, so they might have to uh, rely on a veteran service officer uh, or something like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, they may not even realize that they need those medical records, and they may not know that they only have a two-year deadline in which to file an FTCA charge. If they file an 1151 DIC charge, that's different. There's no uh, time limit on uh, that type of uh, a claim. Being filed, uh, but these are two separate issues. FTCA involves an SF-95. I've posted one that had it years ago. Maybe it's still there. Uh, general counsel, who I've gone round and round to multiple times, also employs some of the smartest people the VA has, and they can be very cordial. And I can understand they are in a position of defense. I was in a position of um, going after them. Uh, they were willing to share with me a few mistakes people make on SF-95s that allow them to immediately deny the claim, immediately. If the veteran's smart enough, they can refile it. But there are, you know, little things like, nuances like that, that if a uh, survivor has a lawyer, uh, that stuff will not happen. It will not happen. I studied FTCA law before my claim because, you know, it, it's a war of the words. I mean, you have to shape everything, state everything correctly. Um, 
Those claims, FTCA, are picked up by the regional council in your district or near your uh, VARO, your uh, regional office, or by the general counsel's office. My claim was picked up by regional immediately. Regional counsel for the VA wanted to settle with, within four months with me on my claim. That's how good I prepared my evidence, and they already had a peer review to support my charges from a VA doctor. That peer review from a VA doctor, a director, uh, a, uh, I think he was a cardio doctor, supported my charges. Regional counsel called me up in four months and said, Berta, we got to talk money. And I said, okay, uh, John, his name was John, uh, uh, I forget his last name. I said, okay, John, I'm ready to talk. What do you got? What's your offer? And blah, blah, blah. We started at the beginnings of the negotiation, and all of a sudden, he was forced to retire. Uh, the cardio doctor was forced to retire. The peer review disappeared. I found it six years later at the bottom of my C file. Numerous entities of the VA told me, oh, no, Mr. Simmons, you're wrong. There was never any peer review done at all. They lied and lied and lied. Will they go as dirty as they can? Yes, they will. And a lawyer would have prevented all of this from happening to me. So that's another reason I suggest to get a lawyer. Um, these are two separate claims. A regional office handles Section 1151 claims. The regional office, the AOJ. FTCA goes to regional counsel of the VA or the Office of General Counsel. But I got lucky when regional counsel retired, and I even called that guy at his house to see what happened to him. Uh, I knew, okay, maybe I'm supposed to walk away from this. Oh, no. I got in touch with general counsel myself. Um, I know how to talk to lawyers. I've been a pro se lawyer. I've been in court representing myself. I've never lost a case. But I do not advise anybody doing that uh, unless they really want to go through all the trouble. In those days, lawyers could not advertise that they were proficient in malpractice. Anyhow, these days, they're all over the Internet. If you've got an IMO that says that malpractice occurred, you're not going to have trouble getting a lawyer. And you're going to have to pay him. But so what? The VA will make it very difficult for you if you don't have a lawyer. Uh, do I think these DIC claims will go fast? No, I think VA is going to stonewall them up the yin Uh It's going to take time for these survivors to get IMOs. It's going to take time for the VA to acknowledge their 1151 claims. Uh, <clears throat> and although if they file under FDCA SF95, they will hear from general counsel within a fairly reasonable period of time. They'll hear from general counsel. Mm -hmm. Bert, I want to touch on something that uh, if you guys lose a loved one out there that uh, you think that the VA has, you know, committed some kind of act on or whatever, um, it is imperative that you get an autopsy done on that person. Oh, thank you, John. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, you said some words there that I hope, uh, I hope we have an audience of thousands. <laughs> you know, you said a mouthful. Yes, without an autopsy, uh, 
the VA could have pulled on me the most awful crap in the world. And when I raised hell with the post-humous CMP exam doctor, he did not know that I had already sent a seven-page autopsy to the VA by then at least four or five times. They just kept throwing it away. The mm-hmm. VBA uh, uh, said that there was evidence multiple times in my record that they had received the 12 copies that I told in my testimony a few years ago to the House Veterans Committee. Yeah, 12 copies of that autopsy. And they couldn't have the decency to give it to the same examiner or, worse yet, to the OG uh, lawyers down there in Washington and the strategic health team that ultimately prepared a report that awarded my FGCA claim. I mean, the most probative evidence sometimes that a veteran's spouse needs is an autopsy. If they're an organ donor, my husband was an organ donor, they'll get one for free in most states, or maybe in every state. Um, they'll do a complete uh, drug profile if you want it, because my, the autopsy I ordered, it took about three or four months. I asked them to look for dioxin. This was a long time ago, and I didn't know then that dioxin is everywhere. It's in our soil. It's in our system. Uh, there's no way they can really validate how that any dioxin in some system has anything at all to do with H and R's. But I think, well, I'm going to ask anyhow. Uh, everything else in that autopsy um, was critical to my wrongful death claim. It proved it. I didn't need an independent medical opinion. I should have had one, but it was so obvious that with my limited medical background, they they had to agree. They had to agree with me. Maybe for the Phoenix survivors, it'll be cut and dried. Maybe the VA will make a ballpark admission of erroneous wrongful death to some, if not all, of these survivors. Do I expect that to happen? Hell no. It'd be nice. Uh, I'm, doing no, a, I think, I'm, I'm doing a little sample thing here. Uh, I want to touch on Rod for a second. Rod had heart disease, okay. right? Rod had heart disease, yeah. right? Okay, let me ask you a question yeah. if you can remember. When did, they, when did the VA put him on statin medications? Oh, Cholesterol he was never made. on statins. He was he never on stand. Okay. Huh? Well, that's, yep. That's, he that's had okay. uh, I, he had high triglycerides. Uh, his blood work alone showed um, it, it's called a trilogy of three specific uh, blood chem report values that, in medical terms, is a trilogy that says, uh-oh. This guy has atherosclerosis. He's got plaque in his arteries. He needs to be on statins. That alone was one of multiple instances in that practice that VA committed. Multiple instances. Uh, statin drugs. The thing is, I don't remember, John, when my husband was getting VA medical care, if statins were as big as an issue as they are today. The only medicine I take, and I take two pills a week, and that's all I take, is a statin med. 
Really? Although I don't have a cholesterol problem, it's preventive, you know, thing like that. I didn't know the statinets were... Uh, you need to keep uh, on your blood sugars. Yeah. And that trilogy... Keep an eye on your blood sugars. You keep an eye on your blood sugars. Yeah. See, in that trilogy of these three separate... Uh, it's, it's triglycerides and two other... I, I forget what they're called. Uh, see, my husband, I proved, was misdiagnosed and had diabetes mellitus. That was my last award. Uh, about uh, two years ago, there is nothing in his medical records indicating he had diabetes. There is nothing that indicates they ruled it out. But then again, you know, you pick at a scab, it's going to bleed. That <laughs> is the, um, when, when I went to, uh, that's when I contacted Dr. Bash by email with a few things. He emailed me back. If you got proof of what you said, just said, you got a great case. And but, but, but from there, he prepared that IMO uh, within a week. Uh, I proved that my husband had diabetes mellitus from Vietnam, Agent Orange. He was never diagnosed and treated for it, and that it contributed to his death. I, this was after I won 1151 wrongful death. I was able to prove that they killed a veteran who was dying of a service-connected disability. And then right. I proved the H and Orange uh, IHD connection too. Um, but yeah, see, these are the things that the VA overlooked in his care, uh, and they think that us spouses are so stupid if they kill a veteran that we're not going to really look into why did my husband die, and uh, you know, uh, or they give us some good uh, good reason on a death certificate that we're stuck with. Uh, I had a coroner who he asked me three times, he said, was your husband diabetic? And I kept saying no. And I always wondered why he asked three times. Because he Mm -hmm. could not believe someone could die of brain and heart ischemia without being a diabetic. So that's when I started looking into diabetes. And then my my, my, uh, daughter called me up. She was still in the service. And she said, Mom, diabetes mellitus is under Agent Orange. She says, do you think Dad was a diabetic? And here I am saying no. And then it hit me. The coroner asked me that three times. You know, it's funny when we put these puzzles together, John. That's when I had to pull out all the medical records again and look at it in a different way and read everything I could on endocrinology and cardiology. Bingo. I had no problem talking to Dr. Bash and getting an IMO prepared mm. that validated my lay medical opinion. I wasn't going to take the chance of providing a lay medical opinion to the VA again because I knew this time they would really fight me harder than they did the last time. Although it wasn't too hard. They wanted to settle with me right away, but then a whole lot of things occurred to make sure that you know they thought they would get out of it. Oh, yeah. Um, they, these are important things. Yeah, statin meds, I don't know when statin meds really start being uh, considered by the VA. Um, but a blood chem report, and I'm talking about the long rendition, they've got your glucose, your triglycerides, your... Uh, now, my HDL, LDL report is always more detailed than anything I've ever seen from the VA. Maybe that's changed. 
but uh, well, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, cholesterol. Something I, <clears throat> huh? Something I, something I have noticed about uh, mistakes that they make. Um, instead of uh, making countermeasures and fixing the mistakes, now I'm a former employee, so instead of making countermeasures and fixing their mistakes on an internal basis, they all switch gears and they change into this different entity where they go into CYA mode. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised that M21MR does not have a uh, a uh, part uh, called CYA. <laughs> uh, it does. Yeah. I think it does, but I think that's one of the reserved topics that you can't see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. yeah I, I check you out there, Todd. And, you know, another... Uh, Another thing about the VA, too, my husband was a VA employee. In those days, I had to go to the Corning Community College Law Library to read Title 38. It was miserable. And then I had to pay for Xeroxes. And then I had to worry about what's the closing time of the library, you know, and all this stuff. And it wasn't that far. It's about an hour away from me. But one day, I found something that was absolutely golden. It was M21 for doctors who work at the VA. And I only could get a few pieces of that literature of M21, their manual. And what I found, it just happened like all of a sudden, I had been there for hours, all of a sudden something pops up that I needed to have. It said that when you are a doctor for the VA, when you are treating an employee, make sure you treat them with the idea to get them back on the job within three days. I went, uh-oh, uh-oh. They're treating my husband as an employee, not as a disabled veteran. That was a big mistake right there. What they did, he had a heart attack on the job at the VA. They took him to the VA ER. The medical certificate reveals to me heart attack. The EKG said heart attack. Everything said heart attack. But they told him he had a sinus infection. Here's a prescription for Sudafed. Go home for three days and come back to work. That's how they treated his heart attack. That was the first instance of malpractice. Uh, I don't think a lot of VA employees realize that. If you are a VA employee, unless that has changed significantly since then, and I was reading it from 1988, that was in the 1988 M21 for doctors. Uh, if you're a VA employee, that's what they're going to do to you, get you back on the job. They did it to their librarian. This was a woman, billion. She slipped on a piece of pie in the hall, uh, hurt her leg and ankle that was killing her. They rushed her to ER. The doctor said, you know, here's a prescription for pain, put ice on it, you just sprain your ankle, and come back to work in three days. She came back to work in three days, she could hardly walk. By the end of the week, she could not walk. She went to a real hospital, she had broken her leg. She had broken her leg, and they had refused to properly diagnose and treat. And she <clears throat> got money out of them. <laughs> Actually, she got money out of them pretty fast. I think mm -hmm. because she was a civilian that she could have a different approach. I don't know. You know what I mean? If she had been a veteran, she would have had to gone through 1151 or 
you know, federal tort claims. So, you know, that's that's kind of scary, John, because a lot of VA employees are veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of my best friends are veterans uh, that work for the VA, and I'm wondering uh, how good their care really is. They'll ask me questions about their medical care, and I tell them, I'm not a doctor. You know, I mean, I haven't seen anything alarming yet, but uh, apparently they're they're becoming concerned. I've seen instances where a lady worked the VA was married to a hundred percent veteran, and she had an issue, and they took her, rushed her over to the ER, and uh, they stabilized her, transferred her to another hospital, and uh, this even though this guy was a hundred percent, she had Champ VA, they could actually they could actually see her right there. Yeah, under the yeah. program, but they refused to do it. Huh. She had champ. You're saying a VA refused to. Yeah. Did she have Medicare? No, she's an employee. She had federal insurance, but still, I mean, they. Oh. Uh, she still had champ VA, you know. Huh. I I don't get that at all. Uh, I don't get that uh, at all. And you know, John. <laughs> Boy, oh boy. I mean, there's a lot of horror stories that go on and unusual things that should never happen. Um, as a survivor of a veteran, combat veteran, that the VA killed, uh, I do want to make it clear, though, that the VA employs some of the best people I know here, uh, you know, in, in New York. Uh, they have wonderful employees in every facility that are doctors, housekeepers, nurses, uh, canteen employees, you, you know, right all the way down the, the line of who they employ. They have wonderful people who have been hurt by the scandal. And no one gets up in the morning unless their name is Richard Flango and says, oh, I'm a VA doctor and I'm going to kill some vets today. Nobody <laughs> does that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Paradium butcher. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, the Richard Frango story is very interesting. Uh, I don't know how Moline. the VA hires. Huh? Was he was he in Illinois? Is that where he was at? I think he was in Illinois for a while. He went to hospital to hospital with falsified uh, documents mm-hmm. and worked at uh, many VAs and private hospitals. He? he was a surgeon. Uh, I forget. I I don't know. He probably acted like he was a surgeon at times. I think he killed four people from Western Kentucky. Huh? He killed four people from Western Kentucky. Oh, did he? Did he? Yeah, he was, um, in essence, a a serial killer. Uh, And what bothers me is that in those days, the VA somehow did not properly vet him at all. And then it makes me wonder, these days, do they really vet their doctors? Do they really do background checks on their doctors and everybody else that works there? Uh, but I think they do. I mean, they sure did one on my husband. But the funny thing is, you know, and I've been through this myself, the FBI background check. I've worked for the VA myself. Mm-hmm. They called my husband, and a couple months after he started working at the VA, they called him over to personnel. And he'd be like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, what's this? He thought he was getting fired. They called him in to congratulate him at how clean his background check was. Mm-hmm. 
He said, what do you mean? And they said, well, it all came out real good. Congratulations. And he said, I've been working here for months. I mean, did you just finish it? And they said, yeah. Thank you, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he came home and told me, he said, gee, I could have had a record a mile long. And been yeah. working at the VA for four months already, and they would have just found it out. He said, what do you think of that? And it just, it shocked me. It shocked me. But then again, John, I've done background checks on two people I know. It cost me about 150 bucks for each person. Uh, and I had good cause to look into their background. People can do that on the Internet these days, and it doesn't even have to cost them that much. And it's probably free for, for you know, federal entities. Mm. But it does make me wonder how many people are employed by the VA today that might have been there for 20 years already, and the VA really never vetted their, their background properly. You know, like Richard Swango, the VA looked at a diploma that he probably got off the Internet, and they bought it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I, don't, do, I don't think that's... They're supposed I, I don't to do background checks on employees. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, don't think that stuff happens much, but... You know, well, and now I'm wondering about those cops. Huh? The contracts they have with uh, other hospitals that work at the VA... Like, say, yeah. a teaching hospital, sometimes yeah. they fall for the cracks, and they'll, they'll let a practice at the VA. And, uh, oh, I'm sure. So there's all and kinds of cracks. And, of course, of the VA, and, of course, not long ago, the VA was picking um, uh, individuals uh, to handle the disability checks of incompetent vets, mm-hmm. and those individuals that they were picking, a lot of them had uh, felonies in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that wasn't that long ago, so that's scary, too. Oh, there's all kinds of stories about those fiduciaries that are robbing veterans blind. Oh, that was horrible. I remember when yeah. years ago when that scandal hit. It was That's horrible. It. And uh, a lot of those uh, people have gone to jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were picked by the VA to be the <laughs> well, um, uh, fiduciary. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? They were picked by the handpicked by the VA. <laughs> to be a fiduciary for veterans, and they were convicted felons. I mean, <laughs> you know, I think of this stuff, John, and I just, you know, I wonder what planet I live on. <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> yeah, and, of course, what about these VA cop shababs that came in and beat the hell out of that guy, and he died recently at a VA facility, the guy with the... Was that? Uh, uh, where was it? Um, I don't remember. Gerald, do you know where's that? Uh, uh, yeah, I do. I'm, uh, I'm gonna... No, oh. I, I don't remember where that was at exactly. It was. Uh, oh, uh, Santa Ana, California. Uh, uh, oh, it's, Santa it's, Ana. Yes, you're yeah, right. Yeah, it's under court. It's under courthouse news, Gerald. I'll, I'll put the link and had it after the show. I'll read it after waiting for four hours for dialysis with a shunt in his arm. A veteran told the VA hospital he was leaving. He was sitting there waiting for four hours. He was going to Upon, go to uh, another uh, VA facility, and uh, he wanted to leave. Wanted them to leave the port in his arm, uh, so they wouldn't have to re uh, re stick him. And uh, yeah, 
and the nurses uh, called security, called the uh, VA uh, police, and uh, they attacked him at the door. And Working yeah. over. And, and just literally have, uh, killed him. I mean, yeah. They, they should have called a patient. They should have called a patient advocate. They should have looked at his medical record to see if this guy, uh, you know, had any uh, mental health issues. Uh, then again, anybody who has to wait four hours for dialysis might be a little uh, irritated by that. Well, it and, takes four uh, hours to the, do it, so maybe you know if if all the all, if all the booths were full for dialysis and, and it takes about four hours to do it, so it's probably way I had to wait. Yeah, boy, I, I tell you, it's awful. I can't determine when this happened. I have to check the story out. Uh, the widow um, has already filed uh, sued. Uh, the U.S. In, in federal court. How she got into a federal court already, I don't know. Uh, because I had the impression that this was a recent story. Um, the, uh, the story says the VA police beat the hell out of him and stomped on his carotid artery, which is in your neck, giving him the stroke that killed him. That is, you know, a, a way to kill somebody. And... Uh, they lied to his wife about it, the widow claims in court. So, um, and the plaintiffs were, um, the son and daughter are on, uh, as plaintiffs too, is next to Penn. I don't know when this happened. Uh, do you, Gerald? I, I, I can't say for sure. It seems like recent. three or four days ago I was reading on it. Now, it happened before then, I believe. Yeah. Um, under FTCA, nobody gets into a federal court in a few days. So I'm thinking this happened some time ago. It must and, you know, they picked up the actually, story. I don't think it's been a court yet, has it? I, I think it just happened and they're just not got it in the news that it, it did happen. <clears throat> oh. But uh, it does give their name. Uh, but then again, um, I don't know if that could be looked into. They might already be on the secret FGCA list that our government holds under the auspices. Well, I hope that somebody VA. does come in quickly, and anybody involved in that issue, they're put in prison for doing that because they murdered that guy. Boy, you don't have. They don't. Have, they cannot hold you at a VA hospital unless you get Baker acted. That's the only way. Baker, right. That, that's Uh-oh, what I was thinking, John. Bird Hayes yeah, says we got like, a minute and a we've got a minute and a half left. <laughs> well, you know what? To sum it up, uh, John, uh, this uh, show uh, we have so much uh, on DIC and FTCA and 1151 and on wrongful death at Haddock that I only hope that the survivors of any veteran, regardless of the scandal, any veteran at all that could have died directly due to VA healthcare. I hope uh, they come to our site and read the information carefully and take the steps I recommend. Get the medical records, get the independent medical opinion. Uh, if it does not reveal malpractice, that survivor lives with peace of mind. If it does, they'll have no problem at all getting a lawyer uh, to get the VA to cough up the cash. And that's all they can do. They cannot bring these veterans back. They cannot bring them back. And when you think of it that way, and I am a widow of a veteran, I'd rather have the veteran back 
they can keep the cash. I mean, you know, but uh, I guess we're winding down, Daryl. Yeah, we're out of time, Bert. We don't have enough minutes in the hour. I wish we did. <laughs> yeah, we I do, do There's a lot we more to do all this crap that I could talk about, uh, John, but the important thing is, uh, and I'll post uh, some of it, it had it. We're going to have a bachelor show later on in the week if you want to come on and uh, we can continue this discussion for another hour if you want to. Well, I'll try to, uh, John. You know, I have a farm, a working farm. We can make and a I have a lot of, uh, Yeah. We can, and we can do a range escape. Yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, and, of course, by then, uh, more uh, crap is going to come out about the VA anyhow. <laughs> so, right. Oh, yeah, it's going to be. So, uh, this uh, this yeah. is a huge septic tank right now, and it's going to keep getting fuller and fuller until something busts. Hey, you bet. You bet. You bet. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, I think Gerald's left. I think Gerald's left us. So, no, folks, I'm we think. You... <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> uh, I had to keep shutting my mic off. Uh, my oxygen guide showed up. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know he was coming. <laughs> surprise! Surprise! Okay. Surprise! He, well, they're jumping too right now. I, I called in. Told him I needed a new uh, a pulse. Uh, I mean, a breather on my tanks. You know, I, the tanks I use are pulse where you breathe every time you take a breath. It give you air, or oxygen. But uh, uh, he brought that today. I thought they was just going to mail it to me. Good deal. They want him. Keep your motu sets up, everybody. Boy, yeah. I just got I just got a very uh, interesting email um, regarding VA. VA expects to have more medical care funding than it can spend for the fifth year in a row. Well, why why aren't they paying their their bills, uh, people? I know some people down in uh, Texas there that uh, uh, went to uh, some outside doctors. Uh, what is that called? Sea bases. Sea uh, bases. Yeah, uh, and they refused to take them because the VA wouldn't pay them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. after, they wouldn't accept their vouchers. They gave them vouchers to go, and they wouldn't. Uh, the doctors wouldn't take them. Said the VA won't pay them. So, there's going to be more on. Yeah. So yeah. there's going to be another uh, wing ding deal. I'm sure. Oh yes, yeah, too. They're slower to process their paying. I send them. Yeah. Uh, there's a statement in this uh, email I just got. This is from Fox News. Um, and you know, I remember the days. You and I have talked to Congressman Filner many times on the air where he was very specific in in the House committee meetings and on the air with us that he would make sure the VA had all the money they needed. Uh, He was good to his word. Uh, In this email I just got, it says, despite liberal claims that VA needs more funding, based on a report from the labor union of the uh, AFGA, 
that oh, VA Lord. is underfunded. Yeah, that VA is underfunded. The scandal plague department actually has a surplus in medical care funding. They mm-hmm. sure do. Money's never been the problem. Incompetence is the problem, and the lack of leadership uh, and and, and uh, management. Uh, I I, uh, it has to be management. <laughs> Go ahead, Gerald. Yeah, it it has to be the management side of it. Uh, this it this is. goes up into the the higher ranks and and uh, yeah. what what their game is is totally well, it's criminal. Uh, it, it is. What and, you know, I think it's criminal. And uh, I, I I think uh, Shinseki is one of the best uh, the, the best secretaries we've ever had. Done a litany of fabulous. Uh, uh, things for the VA and for veterans. It's the people under him. And that old, um, uh, I don't want to call it the boys club because it's a boys and girls club. Yeah, Uh, yeah. that's right. That has caused the absolute systematic disregard for anything that the secretary comes up with that would help veterans. I don't think he's the problem. They see him Uh, as a figurehead and probably go around him. But, uh, uh, I, I bet they do. I bet they do. Uh, I, I know I, somebody's I, news coming in pretty soon, so, you know, you know it's kind of like an outsider. That might be right, uh, but at the same time, that's his job to know. If, if he catches them pulling that stuff, and this is information that he should know, he... Absolutely. Uh, uh, I mean, tell you, he's, uh, he's put his well, out there on the limb. Yeah, but Gerald, the, the regional offices and the general counsel and the malpractice statistics that, that are always um, manipulated, all of the backlog, all of these things, the information there is kept in secret by certain individuals. Yeah, but you wouldn't believe how many veterans I've, I've talked with even that when they had a complaint, they'd write to regional office and they would make a copy to the uh, uh uh, Secretary of uh, Veterans Affairs to Sinsiki. Uh so he's either someone's interu- in, interfering or, or running in, intermittently uh-huh. with with his uh, uh, his mail he, because he yeah. gets mail from veterans. Well, hey, Joe, we're we're at max time, but we need to go ahead and shut this thing down. Oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. That's uh, okay. So. Uh, but, uh, uh, Berta, well, it was, uh, it was glad to have you on, that's for sure. Um, we got a lot of information out there, and uh, that's what we're about. And, and uh, uh, of course, the HADIP members and all the others listening, uh, uh, the, the podcast now goes out uh, quite, a, quite a, different place, a few different places, so... Uh, I hope someone uh, has benefited from from this broadcast, and we're going to try to have another one real soon. And Bert, okay, Gerald. Thank you for coming on, and John, thank you for for being here. And let's hope they get this VA thing resolved real quick. Uh, uh, it, it certainly needs to be. We we uh, the. Veterans still need the help, and 
And let's hope the show goes on. So this will be Gerald Cook with the Had It uh, uh, broadcast. We'll be signing off for now. You've been listening to the HadIt.com blog talk radio show, sponsored by HadIt.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of HadIt.com or blog talk radio. Tune in next time for another edition of HadIt.com blog talk radio and the Ask Basher Show.